Welcome to the Unified Endurance Podcast number. We've decided 171. We did go 701, but we're not there yet. Soon, <laughs> soon. Jumping ahead, mate. How are you, buddy? Good. Thank you very much. You tell us a little bit about the ultra camp on the way. This going back to your favorite place. We're going back to Cat Springs. It's a fantastic mountain. What we have at Cat Springs, it's very unique in that you have a 12 and a half K loop with exactly 500 meters of vertical ascent and 500 meters of descent. And it's sort of done in a few different, you, you can run almost the entire thing apart from two sections, which are really, really steep climbs. So in terms of a training ground for, for the ultra runners, it's really, really good because you get long stretches of downhill. So you're frying your quads and you get really steep incline that's mentally draining, mentally draining. About three years ago, it could be four years ago now, I was sat at home really comfortable on my sofa and a WhatsApp flicks up from, uh, from the big guy, Marcus. And all I can see is a video of a, a speck <laughs> in the distance, just <laughs> wobbling around. And then I saw his finger come into shot and, and then I realized he was explaining something. So I put the volume up and he was commentating as mm-hmm. you were slowly getting more and more heat stroked. Yeah. And, uh, and, but didn't do anything to help you, mate. He just no. stood there. Uh, was a, <laughs> I, I watched you slowly get bigger. I remember vividly sitting down on the side of the road going, I'm done. That's it. I'm out. And he was screaming at me. It's about, you're still about, you sitting behind us. It's about a K away. Screaming at me, get the fuck up. There's water up here. And then he actually realized he didn't have any water. So he had to try and find some to get me. Oh yeah. I've lost bits of my soul on that mountain, but this is why it's so good. He's <laughs> trying to defend himself. <laughs> he didn't. And then he ran beside me all the way. Once we got to the top, we had to go back down because we'd actually parked to the bottom that day. And Otten was there as well. Otten knew I was in trouble and hadn't come out for the third lap I think we we're doing. So tried to drive his Aston Martin up the mountain. <laughs> got about 300 meters up, realized it's not built for off-road. So I had to stop and turn around. Bond would have done it. Yeah, I know. You'd have I found know. a way. <laughs> So good. Whenever I hear of Cat Springs, I just immediately think of that story. It's fantastic. Yeah, oh. we just had uh, we had two of the ultra runners go there this weekend and run a hundred k, which is what I've what you set me once actually when you had me training for UTMB Oman. I think you made me run a hundred k at Cat Springs. Sounds about right. Yeah. So they did that this weekend. Had a great time. Paul is delighted. I don't know about Joao, but the guys will be going again this weekend to do something similar. And what's the build up for? So lots of them are doing Ultra X Tanzania or European trail races. Um, so again, it's quite a good it's quite a good training ground because it's loops. You can manage how often you see the athletes, and you can manage how many loops that they do. They can stop, they can refuel, um, and it's quite safe in that you know exactly where they're going to be at all times. At the bottom, they can bail out. There's a road. There's a police station if you need it, and as you climb, it obviously gets a little bit cooler. So yeah, Ultra X Tanzania, which has 250k, seven and a half thousand meters of elevation. And then all the European races are varying distances and elevations. Love it. There's so many good things happening in the community at the moment. Mm. We have, uh, we got a bear swim this week. Bear swim. Love a good bear swim. Yeah. Why so many bear swims recently? It's almost, it's one a month, (coughs) isn't it? One a month. Yeah. Yeah. So um, obviously in the pool, you're always working a lot of technical work. And obviously doing shorter lengths, you can do some some quicker sprints and things. But here we have such a short window for sea swims. Well, not that short, but what, six months? Mm. Um, we decided 
at the start of the year that actually to get in a bit more quality of swimming that we would just do longer like three three and a half k swim sets whereas we used to and sea swims do every week but they would be a lot shorter but it's actually a nicer way of measuring how your swim's going by getting in once a month and doing a long three three and a half k depending on what watch you wear <laughs> um swim set and so the guys particularly doing like ironmans and things this summer um i actually think it's been a bit of a game changer for them we used to do it every maybe three months mm. but now i just said now nah, let's do it once a month big one get in the water and then you see whether your pool swimming work is actually conducive to the open water swimming yeah what what should they be looking for when they do these sea swims should it be comfortable should they be pushing are they are they doing sets within the swims or is it just get out and swim i think it depends on what race you've entered so uh 70.3 for example you'd you'd like to build your speed as you go through yeah. so start out pretty comfortable and then towards the end you you should have you should be feeling more comfortable swimming closer to your threshold speed because obviously your bike is is 90k and your runs 21 but for an ironman you should be able to finish close to about an hour of swimming which is for, for most people between three and four k's and feel absolutely fine like you, you're going to go ride 180k and then go and run a, a marathon if you get out and you feel a bit tired or you've absolutely gassed yourself then it can it can mean you need to do a bit more pacing work or maybe work on your economy in the water but now the the heat is coming up so the the wa- water is getting warmer so likely is likelihood is that people are going to finish this this bird swim this month mm-hmm. feeling um pretty drained because nothing drains you quite like heat yeah and they're all i think they've all been wearing wetsuits still haven't they mainly yeah yeah, yeah so it'll be a hard one to dis- to decide this week whether you go wetsuit or uh or budgies <laughs> budgies all season all season, all season. <laughs> yeah uh, we're going back to Jace on the bikes on the weekend. And the following weekend, which is pretty cool, uh, Coach Steph is heading over to Vienna with uh, around 20 people, mm. runners, and uh, going to go run Vienna Marathon. Marathon on tour. Marathon on tour. So good. I think this is going to be the start. Of, there's more and more of this going to happen, isn't there? Basically taking your ultra camp life and uh, bringing it down to, to marathon life. But it's still, it's well worth traveling to a big city to run a marathon i yeah. think it's uh it's gonna be great the team atmosphere to it i'm actually very excited to to watch it all the um we're doing not as similar nowhere near the numbers like that but we've also got like two or three going to hamburg for ironman hamburg we've got three or four going to roth and when people are now looking at we had it last year actually a few went to greece all together but people are looking more and more at going to stuff as a team yeah uh, lots of guys went to the beirut marathon as well ah, didn't yeah, they beirut yeah, yeah. Good. So you guys are going to Tanzania. That's why you were doing ultra camps. We're going to Tanzania. Yeah, I suppose that's kind of similar, but we just, yeah, thrown in a, a 250k race in. So we have to sit with the guys for five days and listen to their terrible chat instead yeah. of just one. You guys take it to extreme. <laughs> we want to do a race within a day and then, you know, go and enjoy. A 5k. <laughs> 20 minutes with them and then everyone can go off and do tourism. 5k's on tour. Um, we do now have a community package as well where you can do all our community sessions within a week, which... There's a lot. You can ride on a Monday. You can run on a Tuesday. You can ride on a Wednesday. You can do a bird swim once a month on a Thursday or sometimes a Friday. You can run every week on a Friday. You can ride on a Saturday and you can do a one run a month, long run a month or two a month, depending on what we've scheduled, uh, all as part of our community package. So it's not coached, but you'll be at sessions that have a start time and end time and a session plan. And we have that on for 750 dirhams a month. It's a good deal. Very good deal. 
messages if you want to know more about that guy. <laughs> you will be known as test athlete. Do you, do you think there'll be anyone? It's going to be a challenge. Can you complete a month of test athlete? I think it's genuinely a really good challenge. It'd be like, can you hit every session? It's, but it's not a good challenge if you want to... Um, to actually get fit because you're probably just going to get injured. It's <laughs> yeah, a lot of high intensity in there. But we'll obviously advise around what sessions are smart for you and when it's good time to deload and things. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gives access to the community without the one-to-one coaching. Yeah, good. Mate, this podcast has for a while now, two years, been brought to you, well, brought to listener by Hoka. Today is all about Hoka. Now, I was trying to think, when did I first see a pair of Hokas? And I can remember... It was back in 2014. I ran, it was called the Atlantic Coast Challenge. Mm-hmm. Three marathons back to back on the coast path, north Devon and Cornwall to Land's End, south. And on the start line, there was this little guy. He definitely doesn't listen. So this tiny old man, <laughs> he's probably like, he's an ultra runner. So he's probably in his thirties, but he looked old. <laughs> And he had these pillows on his feet. Yes. And at the time I was like, you know, uh, fairly new to being a, a coach. So obviously you, you're thinking you're, you're in with all the fads, right? And at the time barefoot running was, was quite a big thing. So I'm wearing Innovates, right? The most minimal Innovate shoe that, uh, trail shoe that uh, Innovate do is so zero drop. And I look at this guy and I'm like, this guy, his foot's not going to be able to work. He won't be able to, you know, feel the floor and get the, the ground reaction forces you need. Blah, blah blah. And this, obviously this guy had no idea what those things were. He, all he cared about was um, having his knees not blow out over the three days. I actually started talking to him as, as we were running and he was telling me that he couldn't run unless he wore this Hoka shoe. Mm-hmm. I was like, it can't be worth looking as ridiculous as you do. Like, let's <laughs> go for a walk or something. They were ugly shoes back in the day. Oh, they were horrendous. And this would have been 2000. 14 yeah so before they got in uh, someone to style their shoes for them anyway lo and behold i broke down more and more over these next three days my feet blistered my uh well everything hurt and i remember seeing this guy on the last day just happy as larry running through the finish line you know on to the next one and i remember like there must be something to these hoka shoes but i didn't ever look into it because i just thought they looked so bad um but i'll get on to why i why i got into them but can you remember your first I do. I, I, I had a pair of the, must be one of the original, I can't remember which model. It might have been the Speedgoat 2, you know, <laughs> or maybe the original Speedgoat. And I got them because I'd read about Badwater, which is 135 miles uh, race through Death Valley in the summer. So temperatures get hot. And I remember reading in, in the book, I, was, I can't remember the book, but they talked about between checkpoint three and checkpoint four, there's a 10 mile stretch, which is an average gradient of minus 9%. And so they'd all change their shoes. You have your crew that can drive beside you. So everyone would change their shoes into these hokas for this giant hill section. I was like, that's weird. Why would they all do that? And the more and more I read in these ultra books, the more these hokas shoes came up. So I thought, you know, what? I'm going to get myself a pair. Bite the bullet. So I got a pair, wore them. I could not run in them. I took them out to Shoka to trail run in them and I just felt like I was wobbly, leaning all over the place. They had like a, a rocker. At, the old shoes were like, they were like boats. You could roll them like a rocking horse. Um, and I took them up and did a race, uh, Wadi B, which is basically, 
It's a 72k ultra and the first half you basically run to the top of the mountain and you turn around and you run back downhill. And going up, I was like, these are horrific. But then coming back down for 35k downhill, I was like, good God, these are incredible. It felt like you're being thrown forwards down the hill. We're going to come on to that actually. That, yeah. That's really interesting. You've said that without knowing what's in my notes. All oh, right, <laughs> cool. Um, so that's I had those and I was like, wow, they're, they're good shoes, but I don't think I can wear them for everyday trail running. So I had uh, Solomon's. I had actually a pair of uh, uh, Innovates as well, mm. but sort of just kept them in my rotation. And yeah. as technology's gone on and the shoes have changed, I was like, these these now are getting more and more traction. And the Speed Goats got revamped over and over and over again, and now they're. Probably one of the hottest trail shoes mm. out there. One of the most popular anyway. Agreed. Yeah. I, I finished those. I w- then went into Solomon S Labs. Yeah, me too. So good. You feel like you could just kick anything you wanted and never get hurt. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. They're very good. Very quick, but they're just so narrow. Yeah. yeah. This is where... Anyway, years went by and I wore uh, Adidas shoes for a bit. Mm-hmm. What did I like there? The, I think they were called the Takumi Sens which were like their racing flat. Because I was always trying to get a flat shoe. Yeah. Because that's what I was reading about was was the good thing. But what I could never do was string together a lot of runs back to back. I'd always get injured or find that my legs were just cooked yeah. um, from running in too much, too minimalist shoes, really. I then found on shoes, which is probably what most people um, who used to know is <laughs> when I first moved here five years ago, we were, we were actually sponsored by On and we always all had on shoes. And uh, what On did really well was they actually gave that a cushion or a cloud landing, but or it would uh, allow you to land flat mm-hmm. as if you were in a, a flat racing shoe, but without the impact that flat racing shoes or the distress flat racing shoes can give to you. Skinny's actually still sponsored by On. He is. Yeah, he wouldn't know about it, but he <laughs> is. <laughs> and they've redeveloped their line and actually the, the other stuff, the new stuff looks looks really good. But what I found was they were, they kind of stopped reinventing themselves while other shoe manufacturers were mm-hmm. bringing out carbon shoes and, and uh, bringing out different types of fly foam and things like that that were going on, on, on kind of stopped. And I found it harder and harder to get on with the shoe, whether, I mean, it is my fault from foot development changing and things and, the the shoe that they had we kind of were going through them every four weeks we'd need a new pair um so then then carbon racing came and people who used to listen to the show will remember that we used to absolutely hate carbon shoes (laughs) we've got lots of shows where you were i'm never going in a carbon shoe you won't find me in one and actually i remember the who was it that told you if you go in a carbon shoe you will shave this percentage off your marathon time or ironman marathon time yeah, someone did tell me. They said I was doing a disservice to my running, not being in carbon. That was it, yeah. And I listened to that and you know, it was definitely wrong in the carbon movement. Now every shoe bloody has carbon in, carbon in it. But it's hard to find one without. The reason I didn't like it was because, again, it, it stopped the foot working how the foot is designed to work. However, it is kind of undisputable at the data of what carbon can do. On finally bought out a carbon shoe and I literally couldn't fit it on. Mm. And then I managed to get it on and it blistered me within 10 minutes. I was like, oh no, I can't, can't wear a carbon shoe. I can't run 10 minutes without getting a blister because it was so narrow. Yeah. The carbon plate was so narrow. The, the Nikes, I couldn't get on again because it had a wide foot. And I think the Adidas ones I wore for, 
Yeah, I wore them a few times, but again, it was, felt so narrow and I just didn't like running in it. So I Googled or I went and looked who makes the widest carbon shoe. And Hoka came up. There you go. I was like, oh no, we're going to have to stop wearing Hoka's. <laughs> <laughs> this shoe that I just, just, the look of it and you know, everything that goes kind of looking superficially at your running shoes, right? You, unfortunately, <laughs> we, do, we do act like that. Um, so I ordered a pair of carbon, uh, Hoka Carbon X2s. X2s, yeah. And uh, I remember running in them and just going, holy shit, this is different level. Uh, your foot could land, your foot could spread, your foot had a, a chance to actually work and help you take off, but you had this incredible feel of bounce as your foot would hit the floor and come back off mm-hmm. and i was like okay i now understand the hype of of carbon shoes and i've luckily found one that uh has given me a wide enough feeling that i'm not getting blisters and i can feel like i'm really taking off mm. from the ground and that's how i transitioned to hokers it was before we were sponsored by them i was buying them uh i was <laughs> i remember you guys taking the piss out of me for them <laughs> canoes boats you name it <laughs> But I remember thinking this is far worth, you know, the say what you want. I don't mind. This is definitely worth the benefit of having these yeah. shoes. And that was three years ago for two. Yeah. Three years ago. I remember actually um, when we, we sat and we bought the Adidas, we raced to buy yeah. those Adidas <laughs> shoes, didn't we? In the office, when they first came out in the UAE, they were, I can't remember what they're called. Ad, Adi Zero? Uh, maybe? Adios? Adi Zero Adios? Adi Zero Adios Pro or something like that. that. Something like that, yeah. And they arrived and put them on and it felt like, same idea, it felt like you were being thrown forwards into your run and they were, they felt really unstable. It felt like you put them on and you could only wear them short term for racing. That's how I felt when I put on those Adidas. Nothing against that, that loads of people wear them for training. But when I put on the X2 carbon and now the X3, it feels like you could wear them for every run. Mm. They feel super comfortable. They don't feel too aggressive, but you feel the performance benefit when you're running in them. Yeah, I I stand by the the X2 being one of the greatest shoes ever made alongside the Mac 5. Um, But it's interesting to know how you get there because, yeah, obviously, we're not doing the show as saying everyone should wear hokers. And I've been injured well before I wore Hoka's and I've been injured while wearing Hoka's. So they're not a shoe that's going to fix everything for you. Mm. But it, we're going to talk in this show about what makes Hoka a, a great shoe to wear, um, the different range. But I would say the it's not a, just a fix, but what Hoka has allowed me to do is run way more miles, way more weekly miles without the um, impact that you get through your, well, running muscles really. Yeah. So I've actually become a better runner because their shoe allows more mileage in a week uh, whereas before shoes were either that were allowing more mileage were either uncomfortable to wear or created blisters or i was wearing the wrong wrong kind of shoes for the type of sport i was wanting to do mm. so what was interesting when you were saying you felt better running downhill the the hoka shoes were actually born in the french alps there you go and uh, they looked at what so they were feeling what they were feeling when they were running downhill and quite a lot of pressure in their knees. Um, obviously, your what they call shear forces, so force that runs parallel to another force. Mm-hmm. Um, they were finding that they were quite high in other shoes. And so they wanted to create this shoe that allowed you to run downhill as if you were on a, a bike wheel. Yeah. 
And that's where, like you're saying, you felt like you've been rocking forward. They designed what's called a meta rocker. And the, the meta rocker was designed for a faster transition from the heel to the toe. Mm-hmm. So you could land on a heel running downhill, which is kind of natural for what you want to do because you, you're trying to put a braking force out when yep. you're running downhill. But the braking force, if you land on your heel and don't transition to your toe quickly, that force, that peak force goes into the heel and then it stays in your shin bone, knees, hip. You don't have a muscle to help take that force and dissipate it. So they said, okay, you're going to land on your heel because you're running downhill, but we want to get that force into the foot muscles as quickly as we can. So why don't we create like a wheel type of um, mechanism, but obviously in a run shoe, which they called the meta rocker. So that's why the shoes look <laughs> like boats or yeah. they look like a hull of a boat almost because it's trying to get that transition to be quicker. If you imagine like, a, uh, not a seesaw, but a smooth, uh, like, like a half a, circle upside down. You don't get, yeah, semicircle, like a, a stretched out U shape. Yes, that's it. And then they also did something called the late stage rocker, which helped promote stability by putting peak force into the forefoot. So uh, when our, our forefoots spread, because that, that's why we have metatarsals and, uh, and loads of different floating bones and ligaments within the foot, when they're spread, you're at your most stable, which is why pronation and overpronation is actually a good thing because it means that your foot's working to find stability and then produce power. So their, their meta rocker is in all of their shoes. However, it's, you find it more actually in their faster shoes. So the new Rocket X, mm-hmm has the highest, what the, the, the highest amount of meta rocker in that shoe. So if you are a heavy heel striker, but you want to run faster, let's say for shorter efforts, the Rocket X would be a shoe that you could put on and you would feel like, you probably you'll feel like your, your legs are running too fast that you can keep up with. <laughs> um, it's also in like the, the Carbon X or the, the, the faster shoes. They have a more aggressive rocker mm-hmm. because they're the shoes that they want to... Um, make you obviously faster in because you're, you're wearing a faster shoe the trail side they obviously still have the meta rocker in there which shoes are there for uh which shoes have the highest amount of meta rocker in on the trail side mate um so it's still the speed goats which is you like their like their flagship trail shoe which is on version five now it's built for big volume miles um comfort ride quality like really technical terrain but they've also got the tecton x which is their carbon trail shoe and they've just, actually they're bringing out version two of that which has been redesigned as well i believe that's got the meta rocker in it yeah so it's interesting that they've they found the same technology that work from running fast downhill also helps to run faster on flats yeah because it's about speed of transition to the toe-off phase the other thing you notice, obviously, with Hoka's is they have a massive cushion, big sole. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that they have a high um, toe, heel-to-toe drop. All the shoes are at 5 mil. So the difference between the heel height and the toe height is 5 millimeters in all their shoes. For example, uh, Adidas or Nikes or um, Asics, they're normally up to about 8, eight mil. Uh, so Hoka do understand the importance of like a, a flat foot or a neutral foot landing. If you go too high, you'll have noticed sometimes some shoes even go up to a 12 mil drop. The, the new speaker, it's actually less than that. It's four. Is it? Yeah. Next level. <laughs> um, you you, f- you ru- feel like you're running in like 
I don't know what it, this is, feels like, but I imagine it's like running in high heels yeah. when you're in a, a very high, like a 12 mil drop is, is huge. This is probably why when we put on those, if you like those carbon shoes from Adidas, yeah. it felt like we were in high heels because their heel toe drop was so big mm. versus what we're used to. What we're used to, yeah, that's true. So for some people it works and, and for others might not. Now the the cushion is interesting because they call it, they have three three cushions. They have a plush, they have a balanced, and they have a response responsive cushion. Um, plush cushion is in stuff like the the Challenger, your favorite shoe, mm-hmm. um, and the the Bondi, and all of their hiking shoes. So this is their highest level of comfort. So if you if you through whatever reason have um, you know bad knee strength or or you get very sore legs from running due to poor conditioning or other injuries, um, you want to look for a shoe that has a plush cushion. That's going to help you to be able to to run back-to-back days or not be too sore after you run. So something like the Bondi, um, or if you're you know on the hiking trails, any of their hiking side or the, or the Challenger, which is their like hybrid yeah. between trail and, and road, you'd look for that. Then you have the balance cushion, which is a... It's a less cushion than the plush, but you get a little bit more uh, responsiveness. So it's what they call a protective cushion. So again, we're working on not getting your legs too sore from running, but you have responsiveness so you can actually take off and produce some speed. So the balanced is, uh, is in your um, Clifton. Which I've actually never worn the Clifton. You have. I have, yeah. What so are you feeling if My favorite shoe... You, my favorite trail shoe is the Challenger, but I'd say the, the Clifton is like the road cousin of the Challenger. Huh. That's the way I describe it. It feels, it's like um, it's like, like an everyday road mile shoe. Right, yeah. Um, if you're not, you're not looking to do hard efforts, you're, you're going out to get volume in at a steady pace. That's the shoe I go to for that. Nice. So it's also uh, the Speed Goat mm-hmm. is balanced and that makes sense because the longer miles that you want for it. Yep. And then the Rincon, the Rincon 3, which I've actually been using a little bit over the last month. Um, and I can definitely feel the difference between the balanced and the next one we're going to talk about, which is the responsive cushion. Um, the responsive is your like your Mac range. So now we're on the Mac 5, mm-hmm. the, the X3, so the carbon range, the X3 and the Rocket as well, the Rocket X. So these are obviously you feel closer to the ground and it's a firmer, firmer material for your foot to work from. Yeah. So if you're not a very um, experienced runner or not experienced at putting in back-to-back running days, then you want to go something more like the balanced, whereas the responsiveness would be what you're going to do your speed work in. Or if you're quite an experienced runner, it's what you're going to run your faster paces in for like half marathon or marathons. On the trail side, that's in the Tecton the Tecton, sorry, the Tecton X. It's in the new X2, and it's in the the Zinal, which is another, if you like, a speed trail shoe. Nice, and you can feel it as well when you put on like mm-hmm. a Mac Five or um, or an X3 versus a not worn the Clifton, but like a Speedgoat or a Rincon. You feel that difference yeah. of being close to the floor or not. Definitely. Um, so when you're when you're looking at the range, you look at the cushioning that there is there, and make sure that you're buying based on what you actually want to be doing makes sense not based on how the shoe looks mostly which is why most people buy the shoes (laughs) um so plush being the highest comfort so good for for beginner runners or runners who want to run more frequently but have had um, issues with putting back-to-back days together because that through through leg lower leg or um, general leg pain discomfort 
balanced is for your for your longer stuff or as you're moving up into running a bit more and you've got a bit more experience under your belt and then responsiveness is for either doing very uh, fast sessions or for more experienced runners who want to run in more of a, a tempo uh, fast marathon kind of shoe mm-hmm. now this is maybe a hard question to answer because we know we're sponsored by Hoka, so they give us a good selection of shoes. But before you got given shoes, how many pairs of shoes would you rotate in your, if you like, your weekly training? Uh, very few. Very few. Yeah. And I, I don't know why that is, but, well, probably from being a poor, uh, <laughs> a poor student <laughs> and a poor uh, personal trainer with not much money, I'd buy a pair of shoes and basically run them until they were tatters. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think as well, I like to have a shoe that I know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I know I trust. So like, for example, with on, I would always wear the, the on surf. Cl- cloud flow. I was mm. a cloud flow guy. No, the surfer. I was you went the surfer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you should, or some people say you should rotate your shoes. I think what Hoka do really well is they have a different shoe for different kind of running so now for example if i'm going on an easy an easier run i'll wear something with more of a balanced mm-hmm. um cushion in it and if obviously speed work or um or tempo style runs then i'll go more towards the the mac or the x3 just th- thinking that because quite a lot of people they'll, they'll go to the shoe shop and they'll come by or come out with a pair of carbon shoes and they'll be trying to race in those they'll be doing training runs in those they'll be doing slow runs they'll be doing mm. tempo runs and it's I don't know where that sits with me. I don't think I like it. Yeah, like if you've got a Bondi shoe and you want to come to track and run a bit faster, you've got to be aware that that's not a shoe that's conducive to running Yeah, same faster. as like the Clifton, right? You know, you're not going to put out your PB, well, probably not going to put out a PB in a Clifton if you wanted something faster. Like we do our speed sessions. You and me do speed sessions in Max and Carbons, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So you look at the cushioning of that, it's responsive and it's light versus, what's the word? Plush. <laughs> Plush. Plush cushioning. <laughs> yeah. And I actually ran a track session in the ring cottons a few weeks ago mm. and uh, did not feel good doing it. And now I realize why. I didn't actually know they sat in the balance category until I did some research. So now I know why they didn't feel great because you've got cushiony of the track plus the cushion of the shoe. Mm. You're losing quite a lot of force. And that'd be, I guess, applicable to the when people run on the beach track as well. Yeah. Here running in Dubai, on softer sure. surfaces. Yeah. 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 The, the other piece of technology or the, the third piece of technology Hoka have is uh, is what they call their active foot frame. Now, a lot of shoes they or shoe manufacturers will identify you as a, a overpronator or an underpronator, um, which definitely don't agree with. Um, the foot should work in pronation and overpronation. If you overpronate, that means you're finding stability. And when you go into um, underpronation or um, supination, that's your foot trying to produce power. So we should have control over it which I'm going to come on to uh, foot control at the end of the show, but we should have control, um, but we shouldn't be wearing or using a shoe that manipulates that too much. Like running in insoles can help to fix an injury, but it shouldn't be something that we have to rely on. Um, but however, they do use something called an active foot frame, which cradles the foot to avoid it slipping in the shoe mm-hmm. or like tipping over. And it sits some shoes in the more in the rear foot, some shoes more in the midfoot. So the quicker shoes is uh, midfoot, and rear foot in the slower shoes it's just in the rear foot and uh in the trail shoes it's both as well something like the the bondi uh and actually haven't worn it bondi either shouldn't be talking about shoe i haven't worn but 
the Bondi has a very high active foot frame. So your foot, when you put that shoe on, your sh- foot should feel really secure within the shoe mm-hmm. um, to stop the, the slipping happening. As you get more, as you get stronger feet, you should need less of a active foot frame because your muscles are doing that job. So the the shoe you select, again, should be based around what how strong your feet are, which should be, should be, the more experienced runner you are, the stronger feet you should have. Now, that's not always the case, but you should understand your foot strength capabilities and select a Hoka shoe based on that. So if you were to define foot strength, I would say, can you do 20 toe towel scrunches without feeling like your arch of your foot's going to rip apart? <laughs> can you do um, single leg uh, heel raise barefoot? Can you do 20 reps of those? Again, without feeling like your calf's going to blow out. And uh, can you do what we call toe yoga? So big foot, uh, big toe down while raising your uh, little toes off the floor and little toes down while raising your big toe off the floor. Can you go between those two um, with control? Now, if you can do all those three, you've got strong feet. If you can't, then you should get them stronger. Um, but you should also be looking at what kind of shoe you are wearing because if you're wearing, let's say, a wide but non-responsive uh, oh, sorry, wide, responsive. I'll, I'll say them. If you're wearing Vivo barefoot <laughs> or the ultras and you don't have strong feet, mm. then your foot is just going to get worse and worse within it. Yeah. So if you're wearing those shoes, they're great shoes to wear around day-to-day life. But if you're trying to run in them, you have to have strong feet with them because you're getting absolutely no help from the shoe. If you're wearing something like the Bondi, you're going to feel your foot really secure within the shoe. And that the reason for that is it's got the... It's got a high amount of active foot frame in it. Something like the the Mac, you feel it when you put it on. It's got a high rear foot and midfoot. You can actually see it in the shoe. Mm-hmm. They have a an elastic um, piece of material that goes around the tongue, around the side. That's there, and that's to help your foot stay securely in there. If you wear the X3, you've only got it in the heel. You don't feel it in the midfoot. So the faster the shoe goes, the less of an active um, foot frame you you find in it and the reason for that is the faster you are the more that you want your foot to work its strength based on what it can do not be tied into a it's not a cast in the hoka shoe but if you imagine it like a cast your foot can't move around in that or generate power might have confused a lot of people there um they do however do a shoe or they do three shoes for if you've been diagnosed with overpronation, so if you if your arch collapses or you have weak feet, but you want to run because that's going to help you to get stronger feet or you just enjoy running, then uh, the Arahi, the Graviota, and the Tenine mm-hmm. are all shoes. Or the, sorry, the Ten Nine, Tenine, Ten Nine, Arahi, Graviota, and Ten Nine shoes are all designed for people who do overpronate. So you can put those on if you are an overpronator and actually go for a run still i've run in the arahi and i'm not an overpronator and i can tell you they do not feel comfortable <laughs> if you <laughs> if you're not an overpronator and try and run in them yeah i ended up giving them away that's not surprising um the other great thing hoka do is they make a wide shoe so they make yeah. a wide shoe in the clifton the bondi the mac range the rincon the speed goats and the challenger and they're already i wouldn't say they were narrow shoes to start with definitely not no agreed good we we have a bit of a breakdown in terms of what shoe you might want to be wearing for different things. Mm. You've kind of already asked a question on, but shoe rotation. Shoe rotation, yeah. 
Um, I'll do it for the road, mate, and then you're going to do it on the trail side. Yes. Uh, so for the road, if you want to run like everyday miles, you want a shoe that you can just go out and wear every day, do a maybe not a interval based run, just just run and enjoy. Then the Clifton Nine and the Bondi Eight, they're your everyday mile shoes. They're both neutral shoe, um, meaning that they're not designed for over or under pronators. And they the Clifton Nine is in the balanced um, balanced cushion, and the Bondi Eight is your plush cushion. With plush cushions, so more comfort, you bring more of a weight penalty. So they're 307 grams in the Bondi 8, and the Clifton 9 is the 248 grammer. It's pretty good, isn't it, for an everyday shoe? Yeah, really good. Um, if you're racing or um, you're running a bit more on the road, you're doing your tempo style of runs, then the Mac 5 would be the one to go for. You're in a neutral position again, so there's no um, manipulation of, of your landing. It's a responsive cushion. It's pretty light. It's 232 grams. And uh, 130 pounds. GB. GB. Okay. <laughs> you put the price in. <laughs> Not grams and pounds. <laughs> now, I put the price in because that... That's a really good budget shoe. Is it? You, well, when you think... There's some people that are paying 200 pounds plus for a pair of shoes. I come on to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't seen what you've written down. I'm just coming... So, I don't know. It is, it's... Shoes are just getting so expensive they now. Are, uh, maybe that's it. We, like back in the day, because we're getting old. We're getting old. Pair of Mizuno's, twenty <laughs> quid, no problem. From Sports Direct. But I, I think the the Mac Five is such a good shoe. I do think it's worth it. Mm. I'm trying to think out what that is in dirhams, about six fifty. Yeah, probably six fifty, seven hundred dirhams. But you've got to be aware that these shoes last around five hundred k's. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a payout. The, the other one you can wear around there is the Rincon 3, which is different to the Mac 5. It's, it's neutral and you're in a balanced cushion, so it's not good for your like tempo speed work. However, it is good for getting in some maybe more like marathon pace miles. And it's lighter. It's 210 grams. So it is a really light shoe, which is good for Dubai in the heat. So it's also lightweight material on top as well. So it's a, a cooler shoe, if you like. Uh, and that's cheaper than the Mac 5. 110 pounds. 110. So you're paying for speed. Or less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the Mac. Uh, the X3 would also be a, a road shoe. racing shoe. Mm-hmm. 222 grams. So lighter than the Mac 5. And it has carbon. It's 170 quid. Carbon's expensive. But it's not 220 quid, which a lot of the other shoes, like you just said, are coming in at. There so you go. you're still under the 200 pound mark, mm-hmm. which for a carbon shoe these days, I think is pretty good. It's very competitive, yeah. Yeah. And then the Rocket X2, they didn't want to tell me how much they weigh. <laughs> Undisclosed information. They're light, though. They're, I think they're probably the lightest shoe I picked up. They're definitely a faster road or on-the-track shoe. Yeah. Maximum 10Ks. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be hearing. running half marathons and marathons in those. However, a lot of the pro Ironman athletes are running their races in the Rocket X. Interesting. Yeah, but they're obviously they're running marathons in under three hours and and half marathons around an hour 15 or less. So And their run mechanics are very, very good. Very good. And also they've got, yeah, stronger feet. So don't see them wearing Rocket X2s and thinking, I'm going to wear those for my marathon because they will absolutely butcher your legs. So go for something more like the Mac 5 or the, or the X3. So yeah, if you're going to have a shoe rotation there, you want one shoe for your faster kind of running and then one shoe for your everyday miles type of running. Mm-hmm. So you can actually get away with two shoes. There we go. Very nice. 
trail side. On the trail side, I'm going to start with Speed Goats. So if you like, they are the iconic trail shoe. They... Their new version actually dropped 10% in weight. They made them 15 grams lighter. They'll come in at 278 if you're a 10 and a half UK for the men, uh, a little bit less for the ladies. They are built for big miles. The comfort, the ride quality is super high. They're designed for really technical terrain. They're waterproof. It's got a protective toe box, which is flexible. Um, the, the, the re-engineered upper has a folded tongue, if you like, that wraps around your ankle as opposed to the previous one, which was like a semicircle that was rounded. It didn't really work. Um, yeah, four mil drop. They've got grip is a Vibram mega grip. That's oh. what they call it. So you can walk you, up walls. You stick to everything. It's like you're a spider. <laughs> you um, I wore those box fresh. I took them for one run before UTMB and then wore them for all of UTMB. So you can do 180K in them. Not the one where your heel came off. No, 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 no. <laughs> they were on. So <laughs> yeah, no. uh, sorry, on. But no, they are a fantastic trail shoe. Now, if you want something that's not as aggressive, so you want something that's sort of, if you like, their road to trail or... Um, like a hybrid gravel shoe, moderate technical terrain. I'd go for the Challenger, the Challenger 7. It used to be ATR, but they dropped the ATR. Then I just call it Challenger. Um, it's, yeah, it feels super smooth when you run in it. This has been completely redesigned from the 6. They've, you've got a 5 mil drop from heel to toe. Um, they've redesigned the lugs at the bottom, so they're more aggressively angled to allow for lateral grip and downhill braking in the heel. So the lugs are designed to help you slow down downhill if you want to. Um, they upgraded the rubber so sole as well. Shoe. This is not a race shoe. This is this is my go-to trail shoe. This is my favorite. This is what I have my actual my five k PB is in this shoe. <laughs> At a park run. Jeez. It's it's yeah. It's fantastic. Like I said, it's the cousin of the Clifton. It's versatile, durable, handles well, and the new upper holds the foot really well. But downside, if you're, it's no good for technical. It's no good for long technical terrain. Um, there's no toe protection, but there is a wide version of the shoe if you've got wide feet. Nice. So, my two shoes that I'd go to would be the Challenger for moderate to technical everyday road trail miles and anything more aggressive i'd go for the speed goat if you want to race i would there's two options i'd go for the tecton x which is now going to be the x2 which is coming out they've again completely upgraded it there is a new upper which is lighter it's breathable um it's obviously a carbon shoe the trail lugs are quite short so it's not good on technical terrain. It's it's a light, responsive, fast, sort of moderate to mild trail racer. Um, if you want something that is also for shorter trail runs, it's a bit quicker, go for the Zanel, which is 240 grams. It's uh, five mil drops. So it's going to feel a bit faster. It's got that responsive cushion that you talked about. Um, and it's been built as a non-carbon racing trail shoe but it's still got some of the features of the Speed Goat. So it's got the Vibram sole, it's got the cushioning volume, it drains really, really quickly when it's wet, which the Speed Goat doesn't. Um, so think OCR races, think muddy, uh, like cross-country style racing. I think this would be really, really good if you want to push the pace. 
Nice. So those would be, if you like, four. My two that I have are Challenger and Speed Goat. If you want something faster and a bit nippy with carbon, go for a Tecton X2. And if you don't want to go carbon, go for the Zanel. Mm. Awesome. If you were to, uh, let's say you're running Marathon de Saab. Yeah. What are you, and you need to put a gator on for soft sand, what do you wear? Uh, I go Challenger. Nice. Go Challenger. Actually, the previous trail shoes that I had, I used Speed Goats once I'd worn down the heel. <laughs> so there was no lugs left. They were almost like camel's feet. And then I took Challenger sixes, I believe, to... Did I? I did. I took Challengers to Jordan when we went. Hmm. And have you ever managed to destroy a pair of hokers? One. One pair. What happened? I've just worn them to death. So I've worn them so that the sharp rock has ripped some of the rubber off. Uh, but like the upper is still absolutely upper, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I find is I, I've yet to put a hole in any of the in any of my shoes. Yeah. In the upper. The only thing you feel when a shoe kind of becomes a dud, if you like, after whatever, 400, 500 Ks, is you lose that responsiveness. Yeah. You can tell, like, if you put on a fresh pair of, say, Mac 5s versus ones that you've run in for 400k, you'll feel, you'll feel the, the, the foam, if you yeah. like. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think that's the same with most shoes. Yeah. And well, some I've absolutely destroyed. Like, the upper goes, uh, you can pull certain bits of the sole off. I think the Hoka ones, they're almost, not almost, but they are so much closer to being indestructible than other. Yeah. I think other that's, that's what we find with the on shoes and the terrain that we run in here, they just weren't really suited, right? The glue used to melt uh, when we took them in hot deserts. When Marcus and I ran in Corsica, I was in a pair of Asics trail shoes and he was in a pair of the Cloud... I can't remember what they were. Cloud Flows? Uh, no, Cloud Trail. Mm. What were they called? Cloud X, maybe? Anyway, X. so a pair of their trail shoes and the, the rock was so sharp, it sliced through the clouds. So he was, in effect, running on the flat plate by the end of the run. Uh. And the ASICs were really, really good. The rubber just didn't disintegrate at all. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, is there something else I was going to ask? Oh, basically, all of this is, um, is great. And obviously, we have a reason that we're doing a show on, on Hoka. But ultimately, run shoes should be a personal decision. Mm. And I would say that it doesn't matter what shoe you have if you've not got, if you're not doing your strength work for your lower legs, including feet, then uh, you can try every shoe under the sun, but you're not going to get, or you might not get the results that you're hoping for. So you should buy a shoe based on the fact of it, not based on the marketing around it. And uh, I would say the best thing you can do is go and try them on, mm -hmm. see how you feel. You'll know pretty much straight away whether you feel good in it or not. Have a little run in them. Uh, runners in Dubai Mall, you're able to go and do that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you listen to this show and you think, oh, I need to throw all my other shoes out and buy Hokers, you, you probably don't. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's definitely worth trying um, a shoe. And I think this company, because it's made for a reason, like it got born out of an idea of something that people want to improve in. And now what I love about the company is that there's, they have built a shoe for everybody. Mm. And yeah. you always say that. There's a shoe here for everybody to wear if you if you look and find the right one which i think is is so cool but certainly this show isn't about bashing other run companies and you know runners like adidas and 
on and everyone else we mentioned like we've all used them and we've all run in them we've all had good times in them and i ran my marathon pb in a set of ons and i've not managed to beat that in hokers so there's not it's not we're not saying this from a other shoe companies are wrong or doing things bad or they're they're worse but it's just a case of we love hoka for the reasons we just mentioned and there is probably a shoe within their range for you if you also want to wear hokers definitely that's it. Do your foot strength work. Do your foot strength. <laughs> I think actually what you said there is, should echo that again. Do not buy a shoe because of the marketing or who's wearing it. Yeah. Buy a shoe that suits you. Um, if you want a high-vis, fancy, fluoro yellow shoe, you could probably get one in all shoe brands. But don't buy a shoe for what it looks like. Yeah. You're going to yeah. run a lot of miles in this thing, hopefully. And so you want it to be predominantly comfortable and work for your feet. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. That's it. Should we finish? The shoe should work for your foot. The shoe should work for your foot. The shoe should be an environment your foot is comfortable working in. You're taking it too far now. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Good. Lift you the perfect segue to close. <laughs> your shoe should have an stop, HR department. Stop it. <laughs> Let's finish off the show. Uh, that's it, mate. Nothing <laughs> else to announce. Then I can just hit stop. Actually, I don't know why I, turn I can just. So you're you're going to Ultra Camp this weekend? Yes, Ultra Camp this weekend. You will be swimming around the Burge on Thursday, mm -hmm. which is going to be tomorrow, and riding my bike up to Saturday. That's it. Actually, I'll put it out there. If anybody does want to come to Cat Springs on Friday night or Saturday morning, drop me a DM. Mm, and that's cat with a K-H, not a C. Yes, K-H-A-T-T springs. We will not go into the springs. We'll just run loops of the mountain. Where are the springs there? At the very bottom. Is you it? can go in. Huh. Yeah, they're open again. They've re... Uh, what would you say? Rejigged them. Refurbished, refurbished them. <laughs> what are they? Spring. Hot springs. It's a natural hot spring that flows under the mountain. And they've dug a hole to open the spring up and so you can go in there's like a spa you can get massages or go for a dip in the natural hot spring what a time to be alive <laughs> thank you all for listening i'll see you next week ta -ra.